advice for Wednesday, August 16th, 2023, coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Arborly here at the iconic Wall Center downtown. If you're looking for somewhere to eat by the airport, we suggest the apron at the Western Wall Center YVR. Eat local, eat fresh, eat well. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price, Grady Sass, hitting switches, conducting things. This show, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. The 23 Armada, the SL Midnight Edition, gorgeous vehicle. You can get it from $8.95 monthly, uh, something a little less expensive. How about the 23 Pathfinder from 318 biweekly? Or the 23 Rogue, you can get it from $99 weekly because Blake Price it at Applewood. all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today. Has this Canucks offseason moved the needle for you? Yes or no? You can vote at Sick Harrison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Bodog, line of the day for me. Indianapolis Colts name Anthony Richardson their starting quarterback. I have seen few quarterbacks drafted that high, and he was fourth overall, be this ill-prepared to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He couldn't beat Vanderbilt last year. You're trying to beat AFC South teams? He's a project immensely talented. I'm sure they'll use his legs, but rookie QB, rookie head coach. Going to be a long year in Indy. I'm going under six and a half wins. It's plus 105 on your Bodog line of the day. I had a marvelous golf game at Northlands yesterday with our friends Andy Dunn and Walter Cosman of the Vancouver Canadians. Shout out to everybody at Northlands. There was a cooker there on the front nine. Was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the sun. I mean, my the difference in my front and backyard, my oh, front yard in the sun, it I was know. like 10 degree difference. I, I'm sure our back nine, we finished up about eight o'clock. It was at least 10 degrees cooler. Yeah. Anyways, thanks to Gary Curtis, everybody out at Northlands. Andy, this is his second round at Northlands. Yep. Took him out a few weeks ago. He, so, he fell so in love with the place. Tee box after tee box. What a beautiful golf course, he just keeps saying to himself. So had a fantastic time out there. And in fact, a bit of a debate came up that I'm going to oh, put, put okay. to you guys later here okay. in a moment. Okay. But on the Bodog poll question, I voted no. I think they're better. I think they addressed areas of need. And I think they did so with wise contracts for the most part, although I do have a little bit of a worry on the Carson Soucy contract still. But I define moving the needle as, have you taken genuine steps to cup contention? And I can't, in full honesty, say that I think they have. So I voted no because of that. Now, you're free to define move the needle however you see fit. Yeah. But I'm looking at the the four players that they brought in. And as we've talked about this week, Suter is a, a nice player at a nice number. It's a good contract. He should be helpful. Fills the biggest need that was left with the third line center. Susie and Cole are, are good defenders and penalty killers, or at least you hope they are. You're asking them to play up the line up here, mm-hmm. and Cole's getting older. But they should bring some value. And then, uh, you know, Bluger is effectively a depth forward. In fact, that's the contract that 
I may dislike the most, just in terms of the money. So cheap, though. Well, he's one point nine. Yeah. Well, now, everybody loves Teddy Bluger in his role. Well, you just don't expect too much out of him. Well, okay, but you know, for me, his role is a no better than fourth line center. Completely. Yeah, but but he's a certified. I think he's a top flight fourth yeah, line. I don't center. want to be spending two million dollars on a fourth line center, making three hundred thousand more than yeah, exactly. Suter, who's by <laughs> exactly. far the better player. Oh, I don't know the Suter's by far. Maybe the not player. by far, no, no, but it's just different profiles. I don't. I okay. I don't know. I think our coach will will trust Bluger way more than he'll trust Suter. Suter really? Will, yes. I Suter mean, gives yeah. you PP two time. Yeah. He's a two way driver. Yeah, that's the other thing. Fact, he's should consistent have, score. Like Bluger should have put hasn't. it in yesterday's welcome, Matt. He because he he's also your centerman on PP two, right? Because you're wondering who's taking the draw because Miller and Pedersen are playing on the first. Yeah, power. probably. Yeah. yeah. So I voted no. Where are you on this? Um, yeah, I mean it, it, they've done a nice job this year. Um, I, I I think people that are writing in some responses seem to think that it, the question is asking: Are they at the finish line? Boom! Are they are they contenders? And the answer, of course, is no. They're not mm-hmm. they're not contenders. But but, but herein, therein lies the rub. Like they're not contenders. And no one they've added this summer, with the possible exception of Susie, is on a deal long enough whereby they'll be a contender or is a significant piece for a contending club. Well, like Susie should be a third pair defenseman. You're asking him to play up the lineup because you're so poor on the on the blue line. But if Carson Susie's on a contending club, it's as a third pair defenseman. As he was for Seattle, who I'm not sure is a contending club, but made the final eight last year. Well, Ronick's a contending club kind of player. Oh, you're call, you're saying Ronick is an offseason move. Well, it, I mean, the question specifies offseason. Off if season. you want to consider him offseason, fair enough. Just we, newcomers. We I didn't mean. see him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I think I think Bluger and Suter can be on contending teams. Absolutely, they can. Bluger was the fifth center in Vegas. Vegas was a deep team. Yeah, okay. Look at them. Stanley Cup winning team. Yeah. It's like, like the extreme. You always load up. Okay. Um make sure you've got enough guys. The uh but remember the the in their minds right now, their exercise right now is to take take steps forward so that the core can experience playoff mm-hmm. hockey and build themselves up for the true contending run. You're not adding players right now for contention. You still got to get out from underneath all your salary cap issues. All these contracts have been signed with an eye to expiration as salary cap issues start to subside. Fair enough. And then you load up. I also think we have to be... Well, you say you load up, Blake, but of course part of that involves (laughs) you graduate players into your lineup from... Your minor league affiliate or from the European ranks. Yeah, so I still think that's the plan, sure. Yeah. Well, need more of them as well. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. They're but they're they are theoretically making strides as well. I mean it's yeah. again, it's they aren't moving at light speed, but considering the salary cap snafu that they have been in and are in still, hey, you're not you're not gonna be able to move at light if speed. If they were a baseball team, they were a they're a station to station baseball team. There's not a lot of home run hitters. No, no, but there's gap power. There's gap power okay, right now. Okay, gap yeah. power. Yeah. I think we have to apply the context of the south, the flat cap here too, given how That's right. difficult it was to move money out. They didn't overpay. The mm-hmm. additions they made 
were solid shorter term, and they addressed two of their right. biggest deficiencies. But flat cap Defense, affected 32 teams. Right, but that, in a good way, actually limited them from making that ah. big ticket mistake that we've seen. They've upgraded the penalty kill. They've upgraded the defense. Mm-hmm. Is it enough to move the well, needle? We will ultimately see. But I think if you look at these additions for what they are, yeah. they're fine. So you've hit on something there that I do think is important, and I don't think we necessarily have the jury in on this on Rutherford and Alvin. We've had signs on e- we've had signals on either side of the ledger, and that is when they get cap space, are they just going to throw it at guys? who help them take the next step or are they going to be patient and deploy it when they are truly ready to be a contender? Well, look last year with Mikheyev. Right. And Miller, who they re-signed, mm-hmm. right? And this offseason was more about economical signings. So going forward in a perfect world where you don't have massive gaps in your roster and where you do have some cap space, are these guys going to be judicious or are they going to let them that cap space burn a hole in their pocket and they go out and spend it at first blush? The only teams that truly let cap space burn a hole in their pocket. Kuzmenko as well, they re-signed, right? That could yeah. have been a trade and that could have been a trade of returning pretty good fare and instead they chose to give him five and a half million. But and they that, also added Bovillier still, in the Horvat contract. But it, I don't think you can argue with Kuzmenko's contract. That's still no. a value contract at five and a half million. Well, certainly if he's 39 goals and 74 points, yes. Yeah. Um, but is he going to shoot the lights out again? Like Everybody, pace, everybody spends the money that they give. They, you know, Let's stop it with the you know, contending teams don't no. generally have... Disagree. Carolina. Yeah, but that's that's budgetary. That's not choice. Yeah, fair. So internal budgets are the one exception. X team, you're not allowed to spend. You're just not. We've mm-hmm. got an internal budget above. So you know they'll they'll make it work for that. But otherwise, <laughs> all the other teams, if they if they're allowed to spend the money, they spend the money. Even yeah. smart guys like Kyle Dubas spend all the money, and you you think that you know they, they would learn from from mistakes that they've made. But no, they spend the money, and they actually overspend into LTIR yes. and use that to their advantage. Yeah. Yesterday's Bodog poll question, who will be Pius Suter's most frequent line mate? We had Di Giuseppe Garland, Joshua Podkolzin. Who won the poll? Um, Garland. Correct. Percentage? 43. 46. Not bad. Who finished second? Podkolzin. Well done. Percentage? 36. 32. Mm. Joshua at 14%, PDG at 9. Boyle voted for Podkolzin, but he wants to throw Hoaglander and Garlander in there. Garlander, yes. Like it. Somebody Charmander. Had, there was also a really good sing, or two-word answer a little bit further down. Brock Besser. From Leaf. Dark Horse. Because an underperforming Brock Besser could find himself down there. Down the lineup. Absolutely yep. he could. And HSP says, now this might be a stretch, but all the talk about playing all positions, could we see Suter paired with Bluger and Garland? You played the two centers on the third line, one of them on the wing. This could be a third line. Then put Dries, PDG, and Joshua on the fourth. That has Nils Amon, I guess, as the 13th forward. Well, that would really be sort of a, a 90-sound, aughts-style third mm-hmm. line, like a, ch- through ch- a true checking line. If yeah, you went that and way. you wonder where that leaves Pud Colson and or Hoaglander. Yeah. yeah. I have a hot take. Miller gets moved back to wing, 
and Suter becomes the 2C. Yeah. I mean, that's that's... again asking a guy to play up the lineup. For me, that's putting JT Miller in his best position. But you do lose something. Um, You're just asking way too much of Suter. Way too much. Yeah, probably. He's a nice offensive player. He Mm -hmm. is not top six offensive player. How about this? We are one month less a day out from Young Stars and Penticton at the South Okanagan Event Center. And we're uh, coming up here on one month until training camp in Victoria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, not too far around the corner. It's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. And as we'll hear with uh, Frankie Corrado, it's sort of go time if you're a player right now. Oh, know? absolutely. It's go time if you're a player. Like the... You know, this is your last push to get into the sort of shape and condition, make that first impression on Rick Tockett. And we know how he feels about good summers. The time at the lake is being uh, cut down a little bit, mm-hmm. perhaps, by these uh, NHL In players fact, right now. Uh, Curtis at the golf course yesterday told me, now it's about the time where I start taking calls from Canucks who are coming into town and right. looking to play yes. golf. Yeah. BC Lions and Regina Sunday to face the Rough Riders. Farhan Lalji at practice yesterday. Woody Barron, the defensive tackle, in practice, although Coach Campbell is hopeful he'll play Sunday. Dane Evans took no reps, so it looks like he'll need another week, and it will be Adams with Davis as the backup. Sione Tuiema practiced fully after missing last week, so he's looking good to return at defensive end. And then Jalen Edwards-Cooper, the cornerback, Coach Campbell also hopeful, feeling good about his return to the lineup after missing last week. Tough place to play. I don't care how bad the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are. It is always a difficult sure game in Regina. But you also... They have crazy fans. This time of year, it can be repressive heat in Regina. Like, I've done... I've covered games in Regina in August where the temperature shows 40 degrees. It's that dry heat. Yeah. It's a much different climate than here. Dry heat's way better than wet heat, though. I hate the humidity, so... Well, for you, maybe. Yeah. Remember, a lot of these football players come from Texas and Florida. But generally, it's regarded the dry heat's easier to deal with okay. than than the humid heat. Um, but the thing is, is it's sort of like Lambeau. Like, unless you're playing in Sub-Zero at, La- at Lambeau... I think the visiting team feels just as excited about playing there yeah, as the home degree. team. You to know, so like crowds haven't been as big or robust this year at Mosaic as one might expect. Yeah, team isn't all that good. Of course, they've lost their starting quarterback to injury. Good test for for the no, it, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Well, and as we've talked about, they're in this gauntlet gauntlet of West Division games where they can really lay waste, leave Calgary, Saskatchewan. And, of course, poor Edmonton behind and just have to worry about the Bombers in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Whitecaps are back at it. Back at training. couple days off and now ramping up for a rare Sunday match. Mm-hmm. Sunday 7.30, yeah. sir? 7.30 start. Sunday match. and San Jose, a direct competitor yeah. in the mid-table there in the MLS West. They're a point back of San Jose. They have a game in hand. Win this one, and of course... Last home on, game for seven years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Get it while the getting's good. And and if, if for no other reason reminds is. Reminds me of like seafaring in the 16th century. <laughs> They'll be gone for several years yes. and then come on back. Kiss the Say wags. Goodbye, Kiss yeah, the yeah. wags and yeah, exactly. your kids will be older when you next exactly. see them. Um, but I mean, we don't have a, an inkling yet as to Atacube and Lorea's usage, but this yeah. is going to be your first and last look at them for some time. So... If you're excited and about it, go check it out. How about the GOAT, Lionel Messi? At it again. He scores again. Nine goals in six games for Inter-Miami. He leads them to the League's Cup final. Um, suspect goaltending from goalkeeping from the Jamaican keeper, Andre Blake. I mean, it was horrific. In marking, was terrible. Like I, It looks to me like teams are nervous about playing Lionel Messi because Philadelphia was terrible. Again, the space and time that they're giving Lionel Messi. Um, I I hope that changes come the MLS regular season. It's one thing in a tournament like this, but mm-hmm. in the regular season, my goodness, pay attention. It's Lionel Messi out there. He shouldn't be surprising you. American League wild card where the Blue Jays beat Philadelphia 2-1 on a bases-loaded hit-by-pitch from Kevin Biggio. But the story here is former Mariner Yusei Kikuchi. And boy, do you remember last year when Jays fans just wanted to run this guy out of town? Him and Manoa have swapped places. Over the past 30 days, yeah. he's the best pitcher in baseball. He yeah, is. Since and the All-Star break, only yeah. Michael Lorenzen of the Phillies, who has a no-hitter, has a better ERA than Kikuchi since the All-Star game. Crazy. He's been extraordinary. Yeah. Like, I suspect if you're setting a playoff rotation right now, and particularly in a best-of-three wildcard, that Gosman is your number one guy if you've got a chance to set it. Because Gosman's the power pitcher with the great stuff and all that. But he may very well be one of your starters in a wildcard series. Yeah, at this point. And he could even be your game one starter, the way he's pitched. And you do ride the hot hands into mm-hmm. the playoffs, especially into those one game. If the guy's going, then I think you, you have the confidence well, in him. And, and here's the thing. like He's a finesse guy, but he doesn't give up home runs. So valuable in today's game. Seattle wins as well to keep pace with the Blue Jays. Emerson Hancock, their rookie starter, gets lit up for five runs in five innings. Three in the bottom of the ninth. But Teoscar, well, that was... Yeah, not him, but... But XJ, Teoscar Hernandez with five hits, goes five for five, and then Ty France with four hits, including a game-winning single in the 10th. M's win, and we've been talking about the Blue Jays and M's on a potential collision course here for the final AL wildcard, but we shouldn't discount Boston. They're in chase position. And victorious Nick Pavetta goes out yesterday, strikes out seven. He gives up some runs. He doesn't get to five innings, so he doesn't qualify for the win. Boston beats the Nationals, and the Red Sox are hanging around. Now, the Yankees and Angels, those were two teams we also thought in it at the trade deadline, but they have not had good months of august it's just the yankees are hard to believe it really is i uh all that money all the all the superstars Mm -hmm. uh but maybe the just the end is near for a couple of those superstars that al east is literally flipped like you see yankees socks jays rays orioles rays have always been tough to predict they've either been elite or terrible (laughs) but yeah it's good for baseball to see those teams at the bottom and Mm -hmm. you know these Teams like the Orioles, 
after all those years of sucking and building up their prospect system, now they're oh, Baltimore's a fun team, too. Boy, they hit the ball, and yeah, they're fun. Vancouver Canadiens were postponed in Eugene last night because of air quality issues. Now, I've, I've heard from Andy Dunn today who says it currently looks better, but as we record this, they still don't know whether they're playing ball tonight. And, well, of course, the Northwest League would endeavor to make these games up. I think if you're the C's, you're just as happy if they're canceled. You know you're going to the playoffs. Yeah. You've got enough tune-ups left, and you really don't want the Blue Jays promoting more guys to double-A New Hampshire because you want your best your best club available come the playoff series, the Northwest, Northwest League final, and it is just a one playoff series in the Northwest League, a best of five. So... We'll see about the seas down there in Eugene. I heard from a friend in uh, Shushwap today who said uh, it's gorgeous on Saturday. Here's a photo of what it looks like today and just a yellow wall of yeah. haze blocking out. And it looked like we were getting some the backyard. Rain. There was mm. there was like five days of rain on the forecast uh, up till like 36 mm. hours ago. And now all of a sudden, all that rain is gone from the forecast and it's just sun and heat. All right. Here's the debate we were having on the golf course yesterday and and. We'll start with a little trivia here. Okay. Jose Bautista became the seventh Blue Jays player to be honored in their level of excellence. Who are the other six? Two of you. Uh, Alomar? Well, he was up there, but he was taken down, Blake, because of off-field accusations. Joe Carter? Carter. Uh, Steve? Dave Steve. Um, uh, Jimmy Key? Roll. No, no. Doc Halliday. Of course. Uh, oh, uh, Cito. Not a player. We're asking players here. Okay. He is up there. So Gaston, Gillick, Cito are the three non players. Oh, Big Carlos. Delgado. Two more. Vernon uh, Wells? No. No, Vernon's no. not up there. No. Mm-hmm. Um, Deval White. Nope. You're missing two guys from the 85. Kelly Gruber. No. no. You're missing two guys from the 85 first ALCS team. One of them came back Bell. and played on one of the World Series teams. George Bell, McGriff. Uh, not there? McGriff wasn't there in oh, 85, okay. but he's not up no. there. He may now go. Of course, his Blue Jays career. Tony Fernandez. Tony Fernandez ah, is the yes. last one. Well done. Yeah. well done. And we should shout out Tom Cheek. I remember his, yes. oh, his sorry. name Yes. Oh, sorry. Tom there. Cheek is also up there. Yes. Uh, broadcaster so does bautista belong now if you watch the game saturday stephen brunt did a fabulous essay on bautista where he talked about this was the guy that basically revitalized baseball in the city yeah that without that guy the baseball if i mean toronto wasn't a baseball town yeah i covered some dreadful blue jays teams where there was absolutely nobody in the park and nobody gave a shit I moved there in 2014, right before of that, and right. that was really all Jays feds had to oh. cling on to. And of course, and R.A. Dickey's knuckleball, of uh, course. Yeah, and of course, <laughs> the bat flip being symbolic yeah. of a, you know you what, know, six, six straight years as an all-star, yep. it's four times in the top ten of MVP voting. Mm-hmm. So if you cross-reference that, I was going to say the bar's pretty high um, if guys like McGriff... Well, McGriff, of course, did a lot of his damage in San Diego and Atlanta. Yeah. He was a very, very good player for the Blue Jays, who, of course, 
was the centerpiece, along with Fernandez, in that massive trade to get Carter and Alomar from San Diego. But, you know, like he, those stats blow away Vernon Wells' stats. Yeah. Well, Ver- Wells isn't up there. But. No, no, I'm, I'm just saying, like, as to what he needs to clear to mm-hmm. get up there, like, he's passed yeah. all those guys. No, I, I think he does. Yeah. Uh, he, I was personality aside, I, I, when you look at his stats, folks, he's he's there. Well, and some would say the personality adds to it because he gave them Joey Bats. He gave them personality. Yeah. yeah. He was the well, face of the ascension. Nick, oh, absolutely. There for right. all those tough years before building up to it. 54 dingers in 2010. I preferred uh, Josh and, Donaldson. And I still can't believe he was effectively a journeyman utility player in yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. He is one of the most unlikely superstars that I think I've ever come across in baseball or other sports. Because we're talking about a guy who was just a guy. Well, he changed up his swing. You remember he was working That's with it. a hitting coach. I forget yeah. the name. And, and they moved him to right field, which yeah. took some of the defensive pressure off him. And third base. Yeah, he was third say. baseman. Yeah. All right, let's get to today's menu. Brought to you by the Dutch. To breakfast, to brunch, to lunch, get it all at the Dutch. We'll do some hashtags today. Roger Federer talking about Vancouver, and a tough blow for Canada basketball on route to the FIBA. World Cup. Frank Corrado will join. He gives us a scouting report on Pius Suter. He's got actually a bit of a counterintuitive take in terms of how and where Suter will help the Vancouver Canucks. We talk about Philip Ronick and how he must be feeling right now. The Detroit Red Wings trade him, then sign a right shot defenseman, sign another defenseman who can play the right side, and then trade for a right shot defenseman in Jeff Petrie. And Frank Scott. A, um, do you guys believe in the Iser plan based off some of these moves we've seen? Like, I like the I, I do long it's term, just, but I, I do wonder what's happened here recently. A bit Frank's too much a, money in term, I think, with some of those contracts. Well, this, they're, they're kind of they're, they're getting a little bit washed looking with Gostas Bear and Petrie are both kind of hope bets. Are we talking Canucks here, or just like Grady want to hijack the show and talk Red Wings? <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, well, oh, it was the subject. It's the Canucks Red no, no, Wings. No, no. The subject is Phil Pronick as Vancouver Canuck, former Detroit Red Wing. Fair enough. Frank's got a prescription for Hronick going forward here. We also talk about Elias Pettersson saying goal this year is to exceed 102 points. And we'll cast our eyes over to Sweden where the hockey season has begun and a couple of young Canucks prospects are already showing well. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business. And communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect 
And I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the Bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. One thing that has emerged this week is that the Vancouver Canucks are placing bets on two former Detroit Wet Red Wings with chips on their shoulders. And that's a good thing. Let them be motivated to prove Steve Eiserman wrong, Grady Sass. Eiser plan. Free agent center Pius Suter said he's said in his introductory press availability that it had been a long six weeks since the start of free agency. He was hoping to sign sooner. He's taking a $2 million pay cut here. As Kevin Allen told us, he's hoping to extend to the Red Wings who weren't willing to commit more than one year of term. So we got two from the Canucks signed in Vancouver. Then there's defenseman Philip Ronick. Again, Hall of Fame writer Kevin Allen tells us he pouted when his minutes and his offensive opportunity were given to prodigious ex-teammate Maurice Sider. Ronick was healthy scratched after the pout, and the Wings ultimately decided he was going to be too difficult to re-sign after his contract expires at the end of this season. Iserman, Detroit's GM, then went out and signed Gostas Bear, Shane, Justin Hole, made the trade for Jeff Petrie, making it clear that the Wings didn't have a surplus of defensemen on the right side. They simply choose chose to move on from Ronick. Now, his contract extension, that matter now falls to the Vancouver Canuck, Canucks. But in the meantime, they get Ronick in a contract year. He's hoping to strike it rich. Needs another good season to meet his financial goals. Again, it's a good thing. What remains to be seen is how these players will adjust to the pressure of playing in Vancouver. Keith Ballard, Jason Dickinson, Connor Garland. It's a daunting list of credentialed players who have come here and had trouble. But if the activity this week among Red Wings fans on Twitter, dissecting our interview with Allen and his comments on Ronick, are any indication, well, Hockey Town isn't too far off from Vancouver when it comes to scrutiny. And both these players should come in, eyes wide open. That's welcome after today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email live at secaresonprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter at Matt Secares at Secareson Price. And the welcome matter presentation of Great Clips. Save time up to get a ready next text when you're up for a cut. And of course, your local Great Clips proudly Canadian owned and operated. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason Dot Mortgage. It's a, uh, it's a bit of a scary time out there, so inflation went back up for the month of July to 3.3 after, I think, 2.8 in, in June. Um, are they going to hike things up again? You best call Jason Hominick at Jason Dot Mortgage. You can lock in your rate for up to 120 days. So get in now before the next rate hike happens. And if it doesn't happen, great. You can renew again that rate somewhere down the road. But lock in the rate at the very least, if not your mortgage, at Jason.Mortgage. Well, going to start with the big news today from Canada Basketball. (whistles) Jamal Murray to miss World Cup. The Denver Nuggets star guard who had not participated in any of the on-court work with the Canadian national team, either in Toronto when they centralized 
or after they've moved on to Europe here to play in Germany and now Spain. Look, we previewed this the moment he got there and wasn't participating, Blake. We wondered whether or not he would be a part of this team when it is fully formed, and I do believe they have to send in a uh, a roster to FIBA coming up here. Their first game is a week from Friday against France. Murray cited fatigue and said that recovery was required. Canada basketball even went further and said he needed further rehab. Now, he did miss the year two years ago with an ACL. I think the writing was on the wall here when Canada summoned guard Kenny Cherry to to Europe to join the team. Uh, It's funny. Canada remains the number two choice to win this tournament after the heavily favored United States at plus 650. But on the Murray news, they fell to underdog status against France, which is a very good side in their first game. They're actually a plus 102 underdog. Now, a little more context because uh, our friend basketball Phil uh, pointed out that the Nuggets have a forward, uh, Vlatko Kenkar, who tore his ACL for Slovenia in a World Cup prep match. And, of course, Nikola Jokic. Jokic is not playing for Serbia. So the biggest star on the team and the league MVP, finals MVP, is not playing for his home and native land. And you wonder whether that further influenced the decision on Jamal Murray, despite the fact that their head coach, Mike Malone, is a former assistant with Canada Basketball. And his father, of course, Brendan, was the expansion coach of the Toronto Raptors. So there's a lot of history and goodwill between the Malone family and and Canadian basketball. Um, but at the end of the day, it wasn't enough here for Jamal Murray to participate. Look, still a very good team, still a very good yeah. backcourt, but you know Murray would have made this very interesting, I think, well, against have, the U.S. You have two elite players then in Gilgis Alexander and Murray, if he's there. So Correct. now it's down to SGA and and a good supporting cast. Yeah, but um, I mean now now I would suspect that R.J. Barrett plays with Gilgis Alexander because we had talked about how Barrett and Murray aren't the best outside shooters. Can you have them on the floor at the same time? This is a huge opportunity for the son of Canada's GM, Rowan Barrett. And of course, uh, with the New York Knicks to really step up here and be part of the offensive solution. Murray dropped a hint in his statement um, that he looks forward to the Olympics. And I think that that tells us that Hey, if this was the Olympic Games, yes. he's probably there. Yeah, I, um, The World Cup's a nice tournament. I think there is a claim for it from the players, but it's still not the Olympics. It's yeah. not the Rams. And, of course, it's rebranded as a World Cup from a World Championships, as we used to call it. Uh, that's right, yes. Uh, everybody loves that branding uh, because then you all of a sudden get to charge the same as soccer's World Cup for rights, <laughs> right? That's not how you work it. You just, just call it the World Cup. Uh, speaking of Canadian athletes out at Dennis underscore Chapel. Despite doing everything possible to be 100% healthy in time for the U.S. Open, my knee needs more time, and I sadly have to withdraw. That Grand Slam energy, especially in New York City, is unlike anything else, and I'm really going to miss playing in front of the amazing fans there this year. So uh, we've talked about the underwhelming year that has been for Canadian tennis, and it's going to continue from the Dennis Shapovalov corner. 
through the U.S. Open. Well, and Bianca's hurt too, if I'm not mistaken. Is she again? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, no, it's a couple of years now. I think we've been looking at all these fine Canadian players, particularly coming off Bianca's U.S. Open win and then Leila Annie Fernandez's appearance in the U.S. Open final, not to mention what Felix and Chapo have done and thought, okay, is this the breakout gear for Canadian tennis? And alas, no. We'll stay with that sport, though, here at Offside DH. Quote, only heard great things. Roger Federer looking forward to his Vancouver visit. This is next month at the Labor Cup, Rogers Arena. Quote, I'm very much looking forward to Vancouver and the Labor Cup being there. Only heard great things about the city. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Canadian fans will be especially with their great players coming up. He is, of course, the co-founder of the Laver Cup. He won't play Federer. It's a Europe versus the world format. 20-time Grand Slam champion. He's going to be celebrated during the Friday session, September 22nd. He's um, And that'll mark one year since his last competitive match. Fans attending that Friday session are going to have an opportunity to ask Federer questions or draft questions for Federer that will be put to him by former world number one Jim Courier. Uh, incidentally, the turnout for this is looking pretty good. Europe is captained by Bjorn Borg. Stefano Tsitsipas is going to play. Holger Rune, Kasper Ruud, and Andre Rublev. Those are four top ten players. And then Team World captained by Johnny Mack, McEnroe, World number nine, Taylor Fritz. Number 10, Francis Tiafo. And, of course, we saw him play Milos at the NBA Open. And Felix Auger-Alessim is also committed to the tournament. Yeah, sounds like a lot of fun. This is a pretty yeah. big event yeah. in the world of tennis to be coming to our city. I mean, I think it shows very well on our city that tennis thought, hmm, let's go there. And, of course, shout out to the inimitable Michelle Collins and everything she does for sport hosting Vancouver, a big part in bringing this event to our city. At Reuters, England reached their first Women's World Cup final after beating Australia 3-1 despite a wonder goal from Matilda striker Sam Kerr as the co-host's fairy tale came to an end. It was a fairy tale semi-final. England versus uh, Australia had a lot of uh, eyes on it and uh, in the end, England prevailing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's always nice when the hosts are involved late. I don't know that once you reach the final, I don't think it particularly matters because it's pre-sold out, I would think. Mm -hmm. um, it, it would have added a certain something, but 75,000, almost 76,000 watched this semifinal match. Well, and hats off to the English FA here, Blake, because I can remember reading a story. I want to say it was in like the New York Times or a, a big newspaper like that, maybe the Guardian going into our World Cup here yeah. in 2015. And it talked about how even a country like Europe, a Western, or even a country like England, a Western European democracy, had not particularly done well in terms of financing no, totally. and supporting yeah. the women's side of soccer. Well, they have come a long way. In those eight years, you remember it was England who knocked out Canada from that World Cup here. And um, to be playing for a trophy eight years later, when really 10 years ago you weren't taking this sport all that seriously or weren't financing it to the level. And, of course, we hear some of the same matters here with Canadian 
soccer in the women's program. No, for the French and, and, and English leagues have really stepped up for women's soccer. Spanish, too. And, of course, they're in the final as well. And it's left behind the NWSL just a little bit here. And mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the uh, navel-gazing post-World Cup is um, can there be some better high-level women's soccer in North America? Mm-hmm. Lastly, for me, at Adam Schefter, Patriots officially signed running back Ezekiel Elliott to a one-year contract. He'll team with Ramondre uh, Stevenson there in what should be a stout running game for the Pats. I have a hot take here, Grady Sass. Oh. Pats finish with more wins than the Finns or the Jets. Everybody's all over the Jets now with Aaron Rodgers there, and they brought in Dalvin Cook yesterday, a good running back. Everybody thinks the Jets are ready to take off. It's it's almost like a redux here. I remember when Brett Favre over, went over there from Green Bay. Who's and the starting th- quarterback there in New England? Mac Jones. Still Mac Jones. Do you believe in Mac Jones? I, I believe that Mac Jones can manage the game and take care of the ball and let the running game yeah. and the defense and special teams and Belichick. How many wins for New England? If you say double digits, I'm going to... Well, it's a 17-game season now. Still. I think 10-7 and seven is very doable. I think 11-6 and six is possible. Not a chance. I'll take that money. The... Pats are plus 750 to win the division, the fourth choice. And when's the last time we've said that? My uh, Jets are plus 250. A lot of that is New York money going on, Aaron Rodgers and moving the. Yeah. And Miami is plus 280. So they are long shots compared to their two rivals, who for the most part they have owned over the last 25. Well, the other thing is that the hoodie has got some pressure on him. And what does that look like? Bill Belichick with his back against the wall. Um, I mean, only so much a coach can do, but you do wonder if he's got something up his sleeve. I'll say this, though. I like the way they've built that team outside of the quarterback and wide receivers. And it may well be that you have to have an explosive passing game eventually in the NFL to win a championship. I'm not necessarily sure you have to have an explosive passing game to make the playoffs in a 17-game season with an expanded expanded playoff roster. Final one for me at Coop in Canada, Kevin Gloom. And I don't often do on this day, but this one caught my attention. On this day, 34 years ago, Tom Drees threw his third no-hitter of the season for the AAA Vancouver Canadians. This was a seven-inning no-hitter in a 5 nothing win over Las Vegas in the first game of a doubleheader. Despite three no-hitters, Drees was not called up by the White Sox that season. <laughs> what more did poor Tom have to do? Honestly. What year is this? 34 years ago. So do the math there. 1387. 1987. Yeah. Well, let's look up Tom Drees outside of those three well, no-hitters. More, more importantly, let's look up the White Sox. Like, were, the, were no. they just, were they they just like... Blake. It's 89. 34 years ago. 89. Right. Yes. 12 and 11. 337 ERA. 127 whip. Over 168 innings. Like, this is something you would never see today. Tom Drees pitched, I think we found our answer. Tom Drees pitched 168 innings that year for the Seas. Mm-hmm. Struck out just 66, walked 72. Therein lies the issue with poor Tom Drees, who uh, retired after the 93 season 
after winning 10 games from or 15 games for Minnesota's AAA outfit. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the rub. Mm. The White Sox were last in the West <laughs> Division. They could have used any kind of help. I would have thought you'd... you'd uh, hey, bring up Tom Drees. He's going to walk some guys, but he may not give up a hit. That's it. And that's hashtags for today. Some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Mitsubishi's in the Richmond Auto Mall, and there you'll find one heck of a vehicle. The stylish, and, and this goes maybe underreported, Mitsubishi Outlander looks fabulous. Just unbelievable. Um, still at half of Half an LED block mm-hmm. of gas used. Oh, listen to this. Still. Blake is such a gadget guy. He's a gizmo guy. He's a new technology guy. So you should see him discuss this. But he just beams. Well, the drives to and from work now have become like video games for me. As I try, you, you can turn on different ways of sort of charging on the fly, like power braking, where it recharges the battery. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really, it's how can I use as little gas as possible to and from work? Right. It's like a challenge, mm-hmm. and I'm meeting it, and Mitsubishi Outlander is helping me, and it's a lot of fun. So uh, jump into the luxury appointments of a Mitsubishi Outlander today at the Richmond Auto Mall. Bodog poll question today asking you, has this Canucks offseason moved the needle for you? Yes or no? You can vote at some Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Cameron Young is a really good player who's had a tough year but needs a big result this week to make the Tour Championship. He sits 46, needs to crack the top 30, and all the golf betting accounts and sites that I follow seem to think that he has a game that suits Olympia Fields in Chicago. Young to win the BMW Championship. Pays 35-1 to 1 on your Bodog line of the day. Joined now by former Vancouver Canuck TSN hockey analyst, the one and only Mr. Frank Corrado. How you doing, Frank? Good. How you guys doing? Fantastic, Good. sir. Uh, P.U. Suter, full scouting report. What do you know about him? What do you think of the signing? Well, so we, we were prepared on, on free agent frenzy for him to sign somewhere, and, and we were doing the, the kind of comparables, and, and we thought he would get $2 million just based on you know his, his productivity the last couple of years. And um, So for the Canucks to get him on a two-year deal at $1.6 million is a good deal for the team. I think it's a good deal for the player as well because he gets that extra year. Um, so he gets a little more security there. Um, listen, he's a guy like he's in that 10 to 15 goal range. You know, the assists can kind of vary, I guess, from 10 to 20, whatever you want to call it. But uh, pretty like pretty smooth kind of player, like decent playmaker, decent shot. I saw some stuff going around about him, about his defensive numbers being very good. I think that's a little skewed. Like, I don't think he's coming in. He's not going to be, like, a defensive stalwart of a third-line center. I, I think you're going to see times there where, you're like, he's going to miss some coverage and he might miss his guy like like every player does. But, um, you know, have, having the chance to see him quite a bit here um, playing against the Leafs, whether it's in person or, um, you know, on, on a television set, like, he, he's just one of those guys. He's, he's fairly consistent. Um, you know, he can make plays with the puck. Uh, which, which I think a lot of people will will come to appreciate. Um, but you know, like 
the, the narrative that he's this excellent defensive guy is, is maybe a little overstated. I think he will be fine, um, you know, put in the right situation. So ultimately, it, it looks like it's a good third line center for, for a team that, that needed one at a, at a decent cap hit as well. Well, and he'll have opportunity here too, Frank. As you know, the Canucks are not particularly deep at center ice, and they're not particularly deep at center ice with guys that they want in defensive situations. So you tell me, do you think he's got more offensive upside? And, and do you think he can, if not be a shutdown or shadow centerman, be the Vancouver Canucks best option there? I would I would say he's got more offensive upside than he has defensive upside from from watching him play. I, I still think that you know if you're trying to match center Iceman, you're still going to go best on best. I I think so. Anyways, there's a reason why guys are the best at what they do. Like Elias Pettersson is the best centerman on the team, and if McDavid and the Oilers are rolling into town, I'm still going with. You know, I'm still going with top dog versus top dog. I think there are situations around the league where you can look around and say, okay, this guy has made a career out of being, you know, an excellent defensive centerman, and we can match that up. Like a Ryan O'Reilly is a great example of that, right? Like there's a guy who's not exactly your first-line guy anymore, might not be your second-line guy depending on the team he's on, but you're like, he is such a good matchup guy. He's so smart. He's so savvy. He's so, like – uh, trustworthy away from the puck that now that's going to free up my top line guy. Like I, I don't see Suter being that guy. I still think Vancouver's in a situation where you're going to go head to head top dog versus top dog. And that's fine. Like ultimately if your third line center is giving you, you no know, at 1.6 million, if he's giving you production value of a guy that makes, you know, $3 million and, and he's getting, you know, 35 points, I think that's a huge win for the Canucks. So I think the potential for that is certainly there this year. Um, and it ultimately will come down to, you know, the team game. I think that's been talked about a lot in Vancouver. Like, how is Rick Tockett going to implement this, this you know, defensive structure within the team, but also not stifle things offensively and, and allow the team to still have that create creativity? Um, he's going to be a, a, a part of that, right? Because I think there is um, – you know, there's more than 20 points there for him to be had. I think there's there's a higher skill level there where he could get to 35, 40 points. Um, as he, you know, it's his, he just had his third year in the league. So if anything, he should be just coming into his own even more now. Is there a uh, is there a world in which these wingers that the Vancouver Canucks have, which are they've got some diminutive wingers for Pew Suter? Do you do you think Rick Tockett, based on what you know him about him, would would put a Niels Hoaglander or a, or a Connor Garland alongside Suter? Or is that just uh, unfathomable? Do you think uh, from what you know of Tockett? I don't. I don't think it's unfathomable. I, I don't like Tockett's a smart guy. I also think he's the kind of guy who's going to give players an opportunity and say, "Show me, like, show me what you can do." Right, and and so. Like that, obviously, there's a certain runway that that comes with that as a player. And, mm-hmm. and I think as a coach, you want to give players that opportunity. But I, I don't think he's closed minded. Like there, there's some coaches, you know, around the league that, you know, you, you maybe you have an idea and you bring it to them. And it's just like that's not happening. Like I, I think talk is one of those guys just because he's, um, you know, he's so good at communicating with the players. Um, you know, he can connect to you on a personal level. Like I find he's he's one of those guys that he'll he'll hear you out and he'll say okay like 
go show me and let's go do it. Like I'm not opposed to it, right? Because ultimately, if you're going to get good results from it, why would you why would you just shut it down to begin with? So um, the, the thing with Hoaglander that, that'll be interesting is like he's got to be the hardest working guy on the ice. Like I don't think his game works unless he is Energizer Bunny skating as fast as he possibly can but with with a little more of a brain like i think he's gonna have to bring that to the table and show that like you know he's he's learned the league a little bit and he's a little more intelligent and i think was it bruce boudreau that, that that made comments about hoaglander just saying like he needs to be a little smarter i don't think he's wrong i think hoaglander has has a ton of skill he's got a, a lot of tools but he's going to need to be a smarter player um and and for garland like if, if he's playing with pew Suter. I think there's a guy that, that may be like, Pew Suter can make plays for you. Like, I, I think you, you can find ways. Like, now you're, you're the smaller guy. Like, find those pockets of the ice that, that you can sneak around and, you know, work off of checks. Like, I, I think Suter's a guy who can make plays in, in, in smaller spaces in the offensive zone, and, and, and you can get some good looks that way. So, you know, I, I don't think the size has much to do with it as much as, um, you know, can they kind of put it together and show that they can do it? Basically, training camp looks in, in, interesting. There's, there's a, on the wings in particular. Like there are battles, and those wingers should be showing up at training camp knowing there are battles. I, I can imagine that there are going to be some noisy practices, some noisy, noisy training sessions for training camp. And it's pro- it's probably not the worst thing for this team, like just because of where they are, right? Like we we know they're not gonna strip it down and, and start from scratch. It's a team that you know basically they need to make the playoffs at some point here. They need to show that this was the right course of action, and that they're gonna have to make the playoffs. And so you need something within the room, on the bench, whatever it is that just pushes your team over the edge a little bit more. And that competitive spirit can certainly help when it's done the right way. I think it's a great way for guys to, to push each other. Um, having the jobs like at stake in training camp is it's it, it adds something for sure. It can be stressful as a player. Like it, it just can be right. Like because when you know you're like okay for whatever reason I didn't have a great year last year. My contract I, I make a little too much money for for whatever my output is. All those kinds of things and and you know there's there's younger players coming up through the pipeline and you're like okay. There's no like August 15th, I'm skipping a day of training and, and going to play golf and I'll, I'll get back to it tomorrow. It's like everyone kind of knows and everyone understands. And we're at the time of the summer right now where if you're a player, like you kind of like, starting to get locked in on things. You're, you're on the ice, you know, for a more, you know, for a summer skate and it's OK, I'm going to work on my point shot with this situation now. Like you're just dialing into it pretty intense at this point, you think? You're you're di- you're starting to get dialed in. You're mm. like, I just you, you don't want to be peaking right now, right? Mm. But you're starting to get to that point where you're like, okay, I want to give myself here at least four weeks of like, like practicing with a purpose. It's mm. not just going onto the ice every day now and just you know doing the edge work and doing the pylons. It's like the mindless stuff is kind of finished now, and you're like, okay. I'll give you an example for me as a defenseman. Like if, if I was going back for pucks this time of year, I want to make sure that, okay, I got my one shoulder check, my other shoulder check. And like, I feel comfortable doing that and wheeling the net. Like it's just, you're, you're turn you're turning your brain on a little bit more now because think about it. Like for all these guys, it's been since April, the brain's been turned off. Now things are starting to percolate. So I think that like that spills into a training camp where there's, you know, there's jobs up for grabs and roles and positions on the team. It should be one of those training camps where, 
guys, you know, guys come in in shape, which is, is automatic. You never really have to worry about that. But playing with a purpose right from the get-go would be the biggest thing. Frankie, what must Philip Peronick be thinking right now? Um, Detroit trades him last year at the deadline, a surprise move for just about everyone. Uh, Kevin Allen, the Hall of Fame writer in Detroit, told us this week that there were attitudinal issues with Thronick after Maritz Sider came in and took a lot of the opportunity and minutes there on the right side of defense. And then Steve Eisenman has a summer where he goes out and signs right shot Justin Hole, signs Shane Gostisbehere, who can play the right side, and then yesterday trades for Jeff Petrie, another right-handed defenseman. So it's not like Detroit was without need on the right side of the defense. They just chose people other than Philip Ronick. Yeah, chip, chip on his shoulder stuff. I, and frankly, I think that's a good thing for the Canucks. Well, yeah, it, it can be. Listen, it, it's a long journey being a hockey player, and you can learn a lot of lessons along the way. Or you cannot learn those lessons, stay stuck in your ways, and, and see what happens if you want to go that route. I would say it's pretty easy to fill in the blanks here and read between the lines as to as to what the the mindset was coming from Detroit. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, as a player looking back at situations throughout your career and saying, okay, like, didn't love the way I handled that. I have a fresh new opportunity here that I want to take full advantage of. How can I learn from the last situation I was in? Um, so I think that's a great opportunity or, or a great chance for him to, to take advantage of that. Like, as far as his game goes... He's going to be put in a great spot here. Like he's going to be playing with a lot of good players. He's going to be playing like he's going to get a lot of ice time. He doesn't have Moritz Sider, um, you know, who's coming in as as a highly touted rookie who's who's taken all his ice time away. Because essentially, that is what happened in Detroit. Philip Peronik had been playing well. He had earned opportunities on the power play, whatever the case may be. But Moritz Sider, like that guy's that guy's the future of that that blue line. He's unbelievable. He is a stud defenseman. So. I don't fault Detroit for a second for, you know, for giving Cider all those opportunities and all those that ice time. It's the right thing to do. Uh, but now it'll be up to Hironik to kind of learn from that and still have that confidence in himself. Like, you want to be confident that you know that, you know, you get put out in any situation and you can make something happen and you can excel. Um, but, you know, like, if, if, if things happen during the season, if you get hurt and you come back and someone else is, is playing that spot, like, okay, you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to be a good teammate. And you're going to have to wait your turn to get back to it. And I think those are those are the lessons that, you know, from, from a player in their, their early 20s, um, you know, as, as you get into your mid and late 20s, like you start to put things into perspective a little more. You start to understand that um, because we get so tunnel vision during the season, right? Like there's, there's more around you than just what you're seeing in the moment. Um, but... You know, it's one of those things that you almost have to experience it because I can't tell you how many times it was like an agent or an older player kind of tells you these things. But unless you really experience it, it's hard to grasp and understand. So for him, like this is a great it's a great learning lesson for him. Um, I, I'm sure he wants to be like every other player wants to be respected, wants to be known as a guy that um, teams like players like all that kind of stuff. So. Um, listen, it's a blank slate here in Vancouver, and it's a very good opportunity for him to show that he's learned. Yeah, and of course, because Quinn Hughes is running the power play, uh, that's where the bulk of now, offensive should, opportunity will it, be for Blue It Liners. should be reminded that uh, Rolex in a contract year, 
and next year yeah. will cost more than Hole and Petrie combined, and he's already only uh, a million shy of those two combined. So they, mm-hmm. I think Detroit might made the the estimation we're going to go with two inferior guys, but at least we'll have depth on the right side as opposed to one guy who might be better. Hey, and I think contract year works out for the Canucks here totally. too. That part, uh, is, you yeah. know, he's playing for that rich increase that he's looking for, which isn't necessarily uh, a bad thing, although. Uh, our old friend Ray Ferraro says yeah, he never he, liked he yeah. never relished this. Yeah. Uh, Frankie Elias Pettersson has set himself a, a goal, a statistical goal, more than 102 points, which was his total last year. Talk to me about players setting goals and statistical goals and, and what you think of them. I think it's good. Like I think you always want to have something, um, something goal-wise, something like – so yeah, obviously, you know, you have your process goals, you have your result-based goals, right? So he's got his result-based goals. He wants more than 102 points. That's great. The, the process is basically just going to have to be the same that he did last year. Uh, but it's nice to have that. And, and some players can kind of see that as pressure. Like for me, if I had a, a results-based goal, I always saw that as pressure. I'm like, okay, am I on pace for that yet? Am I going to achieve that yet? Like for me, it didn't really work that way. For me, it was more... Um, what am I going to do on a day-to-day um, goal-wise that would help me? Uh, but some guys need that. Like I, I found throughout, throughout the course of my career that there were some guys where – I'll give you an example, right? Like, so guys will sign their, their entry-level contract and you know they get this, the standard signing bonus and they go out and they spend it all on a new car. And I'm like, why are you spending all your money on a new car? Are you crazy? Like, no, no, no. I need to do that because now I need it in my head that I have to go out and earn more money or else I will get complete. So, so some guys just need that in their head where it's like, no, I have to do this. And that's what drives them. And that's what pushes them. Everyone's different. Everyone's wired a little bit different. Um, But, you know, even, you know, I I saw guys, you know, just enter the league and they're like, yeah, I bought a place. Like you bought a place. What are you crazy? You're like, you emptied your bank account, but it's like, no, I, I need to have that. I need to have that that hunger that I need to go get more of it. So, um, listen, Elias Pettersson, 102 points. He's it's in his wheelhouse, man. Like, the guy, that guy being healthy is, is such a, a game changer for the Canucks. He's such a fun player to watch. He's so well-rounded, so complete. I, I don't see why he, like, if everything goes well for him again, I don't see why he's not in and around there. Um, or, or does he go the health factor? Does he go the other way though? Does he get ninety points and get closer to Patrice Bergeron? Does he work on that part of the game and and and, and be a lockdown forward as well? Well, let, let, listen. If he if he does, if he's a ninety point guy and he's top ten in the Selkie, yeah. there's nothing wrong. Like, no. it's, it's unbelievable. Like, yeah. and he's top ten in the Selkie is probably on the low side. Like he, he's he's that good away from the puck. I just think like it, it's good to have those goals. And but the, the process along the way is, is what obviously helps you achieve them. And, and even having like um, I always found like just having these shorter term things like you can make you can break it down in a game, like five minute segments in a game, five game segments in a season, you know, month long things, all those kind of like little checkpoints help along the way. Um, but I, I'm excited. Like, I'm excited to see what he does this season. And I'm sure, you know, like, you know, He's, he's an RFA. He's got Arbrights. You know, there's there's a new contract on the horizon. You don't want to start thinking about all those things. You want to think about the things you do that help you achieve that that ultimate goal. And um, but he just I don't know. Right from day one, when he arrived in the league, 
and I'm sure you guys saw this, like, there's just something about the guy. He's just got that moxie. He's got that charisma, the way he carries himself, the way he talks. It's very, very impressive. And, like, he's he's built to be a guy that says, I want 102 points, and I could probably go get it. Like, there there are a few guys like that, more than a few guys like that in the league, and, and he's up there. We'll never forget that back check in his first NHL game, right, Blake? Right. Frank, Blake is really pushing Elias for the Selkie here over the last couple of days. I don't think I am. I believe I it is a distant early warning no. shot of the campaign that you will see in Vancouver this year to get Elias more more love yeah. on the Selkie Trophy voting. Okay, Coach Tockett's coming in with the defensive system. we got to make sure all you guys in Toronto and in the Eastern Time Zone understand how good a defensive player it had Elias been, It had been five years without a back check from anybody on the Vancouver Canucks lineup. <laughs> so when Elias Pettersson came in and I yeah. saw one, it was notable. We'll be we'll be watching for sure. Hey, listen, like look what look what Mitch Marner in Toronto was able to do as a winger. Yeah. Like, for me, like we had this, we had so many of these discussions at TSN over the season where it was like, is there going to be a winger that wins the Selkie? And it would probably be Marner. And then the conversation went to, okay, once Bergeron retires, which he's now retired, who's the guy? Okay, it's going to be Kopitar. It's going to be Barkov. Like after that, it was like, okay, Marner's the winger that's really good defensively. But there's going to need to be like a new school up-and-coming centerman who's who's in that conversation. I don't see why it wouldn't be Elias Pettersson. Like Sebastian Ajo would be in there as well. Like he just signed, you know, $9.75 million, Sebastian Ajo. Like – if Elias Pettersson is 100 points and he's top five in Selkie voting, you do the math, how much money this guy's getting. He has to go and bring it back to a Leaf now, doesn't he? Huh? Well, he's always with the Leafs. Oh, first. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Frank, marvelous stuff. Thank you for this. We'll catch up next Wednesday. Be well. Thanks, guys. To care some price from Wall Center presentation Apple at Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox, Great Clips. It's going to be great. How great? Super great. Well, speaking of great, the Vancouver Canucks hope that a couple of young Swedish prospects become just that. First-rounder Jonathan LeCaramacchi has the toolkit, or at least has the offensive toolkit. And then there's EPD, Elias Pettersson, the defenseman they took in the third round of the 2022 draft. Back-to-back days, they're popping up in my feed in preseason games. Good. A goal for LeCaramacchi, a nice assist for Elias Pettersson. And it's only Swedish League preseason, but it's better that they're popping up than not popping up. And Mm -hmm. um, you do wonder if these two draft picks from the same draft um, might be tracking well here, learning Mm -hmm. things here. Well, Lekaramaki ended the season sensationally, uh, as you'll remember, in the Alsvenskan playoffs where he was superb, and and he was better as the season went along after a very, very tough start. So it's nice to see him building on that. I mean, it's exhibition games in European hockey, so we're a long way from evaluating anything that's NHL relevant. But he needs a good year, and he needs a good start. So that's encouraging. And then with with regards to EPD and you know, previewing a, a future welcome mat here, 
but I saw the NHL Network released their top 50 prospects this week. Um, incidentally, there are no Canucks amongst them. But the list includes, of the 50, more than 10%, six are defensemen that were drafted beyond the first round. Yeah. And I was so encouraged to see the Canucks go heavy on defensemen in this draft, including beyond the first round. I mean, we know they took Wheelander 11th overall, but Brustevich, uh, Minio, the Seattle Thunderbirds defenseman that they took, and Aiden Celebrini. And that, of course, is to go with the three beyond first round defensemen they took the previous year, Elias Patterson, the defenseman, uh, Jackson Dorrington, and then uh, you've done items on this, uh, Kudryatsev, who's had a, who had a very good OHL season. One of those guys needs to hit, right? Like, if you hit on one of those guys, then you've got, presuming Wheelander hits, then you've got a couple young defensemen coming on up. And they play cheaply, of course, on the entry-level contract, so they help your cap, cap situation. So, yeah, defensemen beyond the first round. Look at good teams. Oftentimes, they will have a draft and developed defenseman from the second round onwards who's playing an outsized role on their club. It's uh, it's easy to forget that the Canucks have prospects. Like they do. Like It doesn't feel like they've got a ton of prospects outside of maybe LeCaramacchi and Elias Pettersson. But, well, we Leonard. Yeah, and, well, most recently drafted. But, right. Well, Klimovich. But that's the thing. There are some hidden ones there. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to get to the point where the draft picks of the last couple of years, not including this past draft, mm-hmm. are starting to ripen a little bit. You know, yep. and, and it's not like they're guaranteed to be in the lineup next year. Far from it. In nope. fact, I think it's most more likely that Pedersen and LeCaramacchi spend at least one season in the American League. Mm-hmm. But we're there's some color in the fruit, at the very least. Yeah, and, yeah there and, is. And you hope that it's heading in the right direction. Yeah, you, you wonder about Truscott there down at the University of Michigan, who's got a chance, and uh, some others as well. So Never know. Mm-hmm. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program. Actually, Monday's as well. Uh, start with myself. I asked a really stupid question of Vernon Adams. Have you ever started a game in Regina? He played for the Riders at one point. Now, he didn't play a lot the year he played there. Research before the interview. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the chime. Thanks, Grady. But, of course, he had enough starts with the Montreal Alouettes earlier in his career that he has. Mm-hmm. Um. Bridge music ended abruptly. Yeah. That's on the producer. In fact, that's producing mm. 101. Yeah. Who put the 33-second track it's in there? Diff- well, oh, wow. I, Was that a secret before you press play? Hey. I don't think so. <laughs> no, it shows it. Checking. Yeah. Research before I, you press right. play. <laughs> right. Research. I tried to fade it down. Yeah, whatever. But, uh, Fail. Too abrupt. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Well, you failed to have your screen on behind you, which oh, we always have yes. on no. during wow. some of the really video content. The that we, hey, if I'm going down, I'm taking the ship with yeah. me. Producer's fault again. Yeah. No, no, that's a Blake mistake. He's yeah. responsible for his own screen. Ultimately, the pass pr- on that one. Just don't have bridge music end abruptly on. That's like okay? the camera guy not telling the on-air talent that their you know their hair's sticking up though. You gotta come on. 
Who looks at their hair every day in the morning before work? I don't have any left, so it's <laughs> not me. Uh, we have one on Twitter from at VJG Voice. He says, E's and O's, Matt. Yesterday you said Garland is 5'10". Are you kidding me? Oh. Maybe that's what the team lists him, but... He is the angry little elf nickname, and if five ten, if he's five ten, then I'm six four. I don't believe I said he was five ten. I don't recall him saying that, but I don't so, believe I referred to his height at all. I called him dimin- diminutive in yesterday's welcome at. Yeah, he said Garland is probably five eleven on skates or five seven on skates. He's definitely not. I saw him at training camp last year. I'm five ten and three quarters. My guess is he's he's around five nine. I went and looked it up. NHL.com, 5'10". HockeyDB, 5'10". Wikipedia and Daily Faceoff have him at 5'8". Wow. That's, so, a, that's a difference. Yeah. It, it, the, uh, the standard ones are usually an inch taller than they actually are. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's all right. it. All right. Bulldog line of the day for me. Mm-hmm. Bulldog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. So you like what you got. But noticing that Adam Svensson has been starting tournaments very well. Yeah, yes. Good call. Um, I like so, this. So first round, top 10 finish even. You don't even need Adam Svensson to be the outright leader. But it's just in the top 10 because he hasn't always been leading. You can get you can get selfish if you want and, and say that he's going to have the first round lead. Um, that's a bet that's available to you, but I'll, I'll widen it a little bit. Plus 250 on Svensson to just finish in the top 10 of the first round. On your Bodog line of the day, thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcasts, and please follow us on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Of course, support those community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.